Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Tom Block, Keith Jones, we welcome you to Front Row Knowles. KJ, how are you, sir? Other than hot, of course, everybody can say that. Other than hot, I'm doing great. I am excited about uh, today's show, and uh, I know people are in a football frame of mind, but when a guy like Chip Baker announces that he's he's going to hang it up here in, in coming weeks and months, uh, we got to have him on the show. I've known Chip for a lot of years, and there, there's not more of a baseball guy, FSU guy than Chip Baker, KJ. He is the ambassador of, of Florida State baseball. And um, as you mentioned, uh, great guy, uh, keeps in touch with players from 10 and 20 and 35 years ago. Uh, he epitomizes um, the old school way. He's like the old traveling secretary you always read about at the major league level. He was much more than that, but he was that person, knew everything that was going on, knew how to fix anything that happened. Uh, he, he was the ambassador. Well, and to put a little further context on that, and Chip and I did several broadcasts together over the years. This cell phone, I don't know how many contacts are in it, but anybody who ever played baseball at FSU would text Chip. So we'd be doing a broadcast, say a big series against Miami. He's getting texts from Buster Posey and J.D. Drew. They're watching the game in their clubhouse somewhere. I mean, he, he was the guy. Anyway, Chip joins us next segment. Then Bob Ferrante, and we'll get to FSU football. It's all coming up. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. We are really pleased to open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together and stay along, say hello to a, a guy who bleeds garnet and gold through and through. And uh, I was excited for him personally when I saw the news last week, although I'm not sure how he's going to spend his free time. But Chip Baker, uh, Florida State baseball legend, is with us right now. Chip, how are you? Tom's good. Great to uh, be on with you and KJ. Well, it's, we're, we're glad to have you. 30, 39 years in. You're not done yet. You get a few more months. But um, to me and uh, for listeners to this show would know uh, that, that I was involved with Florida State baseball was one of the announcers for seven years. And so I got to know Chip pretty well in that role. Knew him before then. But uh, Chip, you're just a baseball guy through and through. I feel like you woke up and uh, there's something going through your mind about where the third baseman should be positioned or, or how the catcher should uh, block a, a potential pass ball. It's just uh, where, where did you get your, your love of baseball from? When did that start? Oh, hey, you go back. My dad was a coach wasn't a baseball coach. He was a coach. And I was always around athletics. And he kind of pointed me <laughs> toward something not athletics. Uh, my older brother is a basketball guy, coached college basketball, my brother Jim, for 20, for 30 years. And he's back into it. My older brother, as I mentioned, and he's high school coach and doing well with that. So we've always had it in our blood. I just ventured toward baseball. He ventured toward basketball. And then you know, I couldn't dunk it, and he, he couldn't either. But then again, it, I went toward baseball route, though. Loved every bit of it since a little boy. 
Now, Chip, those that know you know you grew up in the Carolinas and that um, your hometown is very important to you. And I had one of my greatest pleasures uh, driving with one Mr. Gene Deckerhoff when we got to the outskirts of your town and we actually pulled the mini Madden over and took a photograph of your town's uh, welcome to sign and sent that to you. I had the biggest <laughs> kick out of that. <laughs> you know, I live in a little small town next to Mecca is what Steve Molesky called it, Mecca. And it's Salisbury, North Carolina, home of the National Sports Writers and Sportscasters Hall of Fame. And yep. Steve Molesky called it Mecca. And that's what that's what the voice is always text me a photo. I'm in Mecca this weekend or something like that. Yep. <laughs> Chip, I guess we should point out for our listeners' sake, if they don't know the news, that Chip announced he was going to retire last week after 39 years at, at FSU. Uh, tell us you got here. You were coaching. You coached at Georgia Tech in the early 80s, uh, connections to Virginia Tech and uh, the coach there. But but your first year at FSU was 86, 85, somewhere right. mid-80s, right? Well, I go back in back to I started at grad school at Virginia Tech for Chuck Hartman. I went two years of grad school, became the first assistant coach there. First two years, Tom, KJ, the first two years, we were 48 and nine. The next year, we're one better at 49 and nine. And we didn't go anywhere because <laughs> of the limited number. You're talking about almost 100 ball games in two years. The limited number of you know, regional spots is 36 then. Now it's, what, 60-plus. And I left there to go work for Jim Morris at Georgia Tech for a year. And the job opened here. My good friend Rod Delmonico got me. says, we have a job opening. Matter of fact, I'm at Georgia Tech. We came down here in February and played Florida State. And Rod told me when we came down here, that we're going to have a job opening at the end of the year. What do you think? And I said, right, we played three ball games, and that's all I – we did get swept by Florida State, so that kind of made the know. But I've been here at Florida State since August of 1984. So my first season, to answer your question, and all of them not going to be this long, my first season was 1985. 86 is my first season coaching third. So there you go. Talking with Chip Aker and, and Chip, I, I know from our conversations that 86 team stands out as one of your favorites and it's hard to narrow them down, I'm sure. I mean, you coached JD, you were here for Buster and all that. But 86, you guys get to the championship round. I've heard you talk a lot and these guys came through before me, but like Luis Alisay and some of those, I guess Richie Lewis, Loin probably. I mean, just a lot of them. What uh, I mean, when you look back and it's a lot of years, what, what's the first team that, that jumps out in your mind what year that one 86 you got you got Mike Lauren Richie Lewis and Doug Little Doug Little was a ended up being a third starter that year nobody in college baseball has more starts than Doug Little the history of college baseball nobody has pitched more innings and only one person has more wins than Doug Little but it was still Mike Lauren who won the Golden Spikes that year and then Richie Lewis was Richie Lewis. I mean, he was a, a phenom when he was in, you know, his first his three years here at Florida State. Always got himself into trouble, but always got himself out of it on the mound. Chip, it would be unfair, and we don't have enough time, to ask you who your favorite player or group of players are. Um, but 
if you met somebody at the Atlanta airport and, and they found out about your time at Florida State and they just looked at you and said, what's your, what's your immediate biggest memory? What would that story be? I've been asked that a couple of times the last few weeks before I retired. It's amazing. I can go back to the year, the year J.D. Drew had 97. Um, and, you know, unbelievable. 100 hits, 100 runs, 100 RBIs. The only guy ever to steal 30 bases and hit 30 home runs in a college baseball season. That was just, you, you, you don't do that anymore. I don't care what they say about bats. I don't care what they say. You just don't do that. He's a five-tool player, and he can do it all. He can, he can run, he can hit, he can throw, hit for power, and he can do it, do it all field. He can, he can get it all done. And just to watch him play and be a part of it. And don't think I didn't, as I jokingly poke him every now and then to get him going because sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And But that's the year of a player. But go back, Marshall McDougal hit six. Marshall McDougal hit six home runs. That's 1999. You can't beat that in one ball game. Well, our own Tom Block was doing the ball game. <laughs> no, I wasn't. That's not true. I, I was watching it. It was Gene and Link, I think, was doing the game. Was it Link? Back. It wasn't you? It was Link? It was not me. Wow. I have not- a photo. I have photos. And I'm talking about not on your phone, but a graduate photo of Gene and, and, and Link doing a pregame. I had a camera. This calls a new Link. And then postgame, there was a photo of Link interviewing uh, Buster. Um, excuse me. Interviewing uh, uh, Marshall. Google. And Madhu yeah. got to hit six. And Link was a young, it's, you know, it's 1999. And that, again, something like that was just, you're not going to ever see it again. You're not going to see it. I got to go back Skip. and apologize for some people that I told that Tom was there. Hey, Keith, I'm almost your age. I'll start telling stories, too, about places <laughs> I thought I was when I wasn't even there. Chip, I feel like you're leaving out part of this J.D. Drew story, though, because you've told me before, unless you were uh, fabricating some things, didn't you put a, a fake light switch in his locker or something and uh, for him to turn on before every game and then turn off? I mean, relate the story. I was moving from one house to another and it, somewhere in the middle of the baseball season, which I don't recommend. And I moved some light switches in and out, and I had it just old flight switch that you put into the wall well jd had early you know we practiced then in 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 january you're playing to end of january and if you ever been to dick hauser when that sun starts to set in the afternoons you can't see the baseball it's tough tough and jd was facing good pitching so finally one day i said hey when you let's go i said you know i know you i know it's tough but you know Let's go. It's time for you. He goes, ah, it's like a light switch. I can flip it on. Mm, That was it. I took it, zip tied it in his locker, never said a word to him. But every day before ball game, he flipped it on. And every day after the game, he'd flip it off. That's fact. That's That's a great story. I've heard it before. I've heard it before, but that is a great story. One of my other great stories I'll let you tell and, and relive with our listeners is um, you, you had the occasional propensity to take a baseball and um, screw a screw in it and, <laughs> and walk it across the, the way to the football office. Yes. 
it was it started in 93 season the started in the Meadowlands Tom you can refresh me back Kansas in the yep. Meadowlands a 10 or 11 12 play goal line stand 100 plus degrees on the field our guys kept jumping offside or stopping them it was 11 play home stand and they helped they held the shutout and we I used to do something great secrets so I'm not gonna tell you how to do it but Georgia Tech coach used to do it uh spanky mcfarland pitching for whenever they shut we shut somebody out he'd put a nail on the ball he showed me how to do it one day and i didn't say anything else so you nailed nailed the ball so i walked in went home and made it walked in and i knew mickey andrews we're all we're all it's florida state as we knew back in you know it's it's tight 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 knit group 80s and 90s teams and I walked in the defense coordinator's room and gave him that ball. And it's like, I gave him, a, you know, they were, they were so excited to see it. And I knew everybody in there and okay, that was it. Well, next week, shut out Duke. And one of the, walking through the, the athletic center and goes, Hey coach, where's our baseball? That's how it started. I think I've done 22 since then. <laughs> and long as Odell's in that meeting room, they're going to stay in those baseballs are staying in the meeting room. So that's, that, that's uh, my longevity right there with Odell. Yeah, well, shutouts are few and far between in college football these days, Chip, but you might have yeah. to leave that trait. You might have to leave that trade secret with somebody for the, for the next <laughs> one down the line. That's true. Well, I thought, I thought it was fitting and uh, th this predates me, but uh, I've long heard the story about you getting married between games of a doubleheader and there's pictures out there of uh, the team in uniform and all that. Or maybe it was before the doubleheader. But anyway, I, I, I don't know if you posted it, but I saw the picture last week, and it's Pedro Grafol and Eduardo Perez, who I know are two of your favorites. And, uh, you know, and you're in your tux or whatnot. Or, or you, you, you can tell the rest of the story. But on the line, the news comes out this week that they're going in the Hall of Fame. And I thought that was pretty fitting. I don't know if that was already decided, or, or it seems fitting that in the year you go out, they'd be going in. It was announced today officially, again, Tuesday here on the – the 11th of July, I think's the date. Am I correct? But um, yes, I am so proud of those guys. The head coach gets the opportunity to call these guys. And they were teammates of Link Jarrett's. Link Jarrett was a freshman when Pedro Griffo and Eduardo Perez were both juniors. And Link was end up being started third a little bit, ended up being a shortstop for the rest of the year. And the rest is history. Nobody has more putouts and assists in college baseball than Link Jarrett, nobody. But those two guys, and I'm not, they, they held Link Jarrett and Link, Link worked. Link worked at it and held his own with those guys and pretty good ball club in 91. But uh, that's how that went. So the, um, it was uh, great to have both those guys. And I, once the, the news hit the stand, hit out today, I reached out to both of them. It was all-star break. I know Pedro's probably seeing his grandchild somewhere, and Eduardo was probably, I think, out in Seattle. But yeah, it was great, and I got a reply back from both those guys. I'm proud of them. Chip, As you should. again, I, I ask the silly questions, um, but anybody that's been in your office knows that there is memorabilia times memorabilia times memorabilia. First of all, how many weeks is it going to take to get that crap out of there? 
and and where are you going to set it up for everybody to see it? <laughs> well, I'm at home right now. I got an empty wall in the office, and let's just say I moved everything out this time of last year. <laughs> so it's all here. It's all all here, and and uh, the Chick Fil A to go bags work pretty good. <laughs> and I brought everything home. I got to go. I started. I'm gonna have some time now. I also have some time now to, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make it right. I got, you know, I showed Tom a, a little thing earlier that he, he and Luke, Eric Llewellyn, I'll help them out in the radio, you know, talk for during foul balls. And they gave me a, a first team all ACC radio award and also director of baseball operations watch list for the year or something like We had fun with it. We had bottom line. We had fun. We had fun. You know, I enjoyed listening to both of those guys working, but sometimes a foul ball went up. I did it, but I'm going to set up an office here, I think, in my house and a few jerseys and stuff that whatever, helmets and things like that. I'm honored to have like a piece of the tunnel, the Bobby, the tunnel that Coach Bowden signed. You know, that's one of a kind thing. So, so I got a few photos and things around here. Well, Tip, uh, you and I live in the same neighborhood, and I, I'm happy to get uh, the adult beverage of your choice and come over as you uh, go through this memorabilia. Gotcha. Some downtime. Let, let me know. I, I'm happy to do that. That sounds great. Let's let's close on this. And uh, Keith, you know this because we probably went there together. But uh, when we used to play at Duke, and we did this with football, the team would always stay at the Marriott, 201 Foster Street in downtown Durham right across from the new Durham Bulls Athletic Park. But Chip, of course, knew that the old Durham Bulls Athletic Park, the one that Durham was actually shot at, is around the corner from that hotel. So I didn't know that. He walked, you know, it's a half mile away, if that. And uh, Chip, I feel like, and, and I don't mean to sell you short on this because I mean this as a compliment, I feel like you're kind of Robert Wool's character in Bull Durham when there's that visit to the mound and there's somebody that says, well, candlesticks always make a nice gift. And maybe you can find where she's registered. I mean, you are the guy that goes to when there's a whatever it is. Where's the post-game game meal? What time is the bus leaving? Is JD? The question is, you know the answer. That That's I, I, that's a part of your legacy at FSU. You know, I, I sat there one day and someone asked me real quick. I said, well, how do you do what you do? I said, it's simple. You know, travel. You're here. You got to go here. I do all the parts in between. And I've done it enough. It's just experience. I mean, it's just experience. There's no physical checklist. A couple of years ago, I did a checklist. I said, why? I know what to do. I mean, nowadays, it's all done with a text. Once you, airplanes and all that, once you get there, it's all done with a text. It starts early in the morning. And hopefully, I, send a, I, I would send a text back to my, the airplane handlers, once they shut the door on the airplane, my reply is, it's your airplane. Before that, it's mine, jokingly. Where's my airplane? Then after they shut the door, it's your airplane. Get us home. But it's just experience of it. It's just experience. Matter of fact, those, I mentioned earlier, I, I, I worked those two weeks. We didn't go to postseason. I worked two weeks setting up 24 for myself. 2024. I've already got cars rented on road trips. I guess I may have to cancel those. <laughs> <laughs> hey Chip, we gotta we gotta wrap up this segment. But uh, congratulations on a on a fantastic FSU career, and thanks for all your service to Florida State. 
Tom, I appreciate it, KJ. Thank you. And again, I'll see you at the ballpark. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Appreciate Chip Baker joining us. And now our uh, Osceola insider, Bob Franton, as we keep open the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Hey, Bob, how are you? I'm doing well. That's that's a really tough act to follow, Chip Baker, but uh, I, I will do what I can here. They're on a short list. We didn't talk about this, but I mean, you're talking about the 39-year tenure, and I realize there's been a lot of long-tenured head coaches at Florida State, but in terms of being a glue guy, Chip's on that very short list of uh, people who devoted their career to FSU athletics. Yeah, you think of Chip Baker, you think of um, Odell Hagens among coaches and director of ops types. I mean, there's certainly been a number of administrative guys who have, you know, committed their entire lives, you know, professionally to Florida State. But yeah, it's an interesting term, glue, because I, I use that with a couple of players talking, you know, about Chip. And, and he's just a guy who really kept things light, kept things fun. Um, you know, Tyler Holton told a, a really neat story about just you go into a barbecue restaurant in North Carolina and everybody in the restaurant knew Chip by name, not just face. He was, he was well known, you know, in that restaurant and, you know, other stories about, you know, Chip would, would mess with the thermostat if, if a player forgot to, to bring the Jersey and get on the bus on a road game, he, he would mess with your thermostat in the hotel room just to remind you, don't forget your jerseys. So um, I think a lot of little baseball things that that Chip did very, very well is kind of a an understated, um, here's how we do things at Florida State Baseball. And, and as we talk with him, and then we'll move along, but you know, he, he wasn't just baseball. He followed the football program. He followed the basketball program. He read the Osceola. He, he he was not pigeonholed into just that one thing. He did it very, very well, but he embraced the entire athletic community. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows about the spike baseballs that he would give, you know, to, to Mickey Andrews if the defense got a shutout. And I, I know Jeff Cameron asked him if that was going to be a tradition that, that Chip wants to continue. Maybe you guys talked about it too, but I think that's just kind of a really cool thing that that Chip is is plugged into the entire athletics department and really cares about Florida state sports. Let's, uh, let's move along, but we'll stay with baseball for right now. And as we're recording, it's, it's day three of the baseball draft. And I know Jackson Baumeister and Wyatt Croyle went in the first two days. That certainly couldn't have been unexpected. Uh, anything else of note that's, that's come out of that draft surprises good or bad for Florida state as we're talking. Yeah, I mean, as we're talking, the 20 round draft has wrapped up. So now the question is who signs? And with a lot of these picks, because you're down to 20 rounds, these MLB teams are going to reach out in advance and put out a financial number. And if a guy says, yeah, that's that's in my ballpark, then he's he's pretty much signed. And And if he passes, then that MLB team is not going to draft him because these these 20 rounds are very, very important as far as building your organizational franchise in the minor leagues. So we, we did see on Tuesday 
a number of junior college prospects were, were drafted. Um, now the question comes to signability. And, and, and when you're looking at 11th round picks, 14th round picks, we'll see how it all shakes out, how much money is left within the big league organization. Um, you know, when, when, as they're signing their top guys, and then as they get to the lower level guys, how much money do they truly have left around? So um, I think it's going to be a couple more weeks before we truly see who is going to make it to campus among these commits. But obviously, when you lose a Jackson Bowmeister, um, you start to think about how does that weekend rotation look? Um, because you know you got Cam Leiter from UCF. He's one that you can pretty much pencil in as a Friday, Saturday, Sunday guy. After that, Connor Whitaker is it really had an impressive season. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you would like to figure out which of these JUCO guys figure in, which of the transfers figure in. Um, you know, one of the transfers was drafted, Chenault from uh, UNC Wilmington. So it, it's still kind of moving pieces, I think, right now for Link Jarrett, as well as Mike Posey, the, the new pitching coach. How would you judge the signees or at least the commitments from the transfer portal? Really the first year that Link's been able to be active in it. What grade would you give him? How would you, how would you phrase it? I, I think, I hate to say incomplete, it almost feels like a cop-out just because I feel like there are more signees, more transfer guys to come. Um, especially with you losing a Jackson Bowmeister, you, you definitely feel um, there's an impetus to go out there and find some more guys, right? Um, I think everything we've heard about a, a Cam Leiter, for example, is is that's a guy who who could be a one type of guy. He could be a Friday night type of guy, has the MLB bloodlines. Um, I, I think we're all very curious about how the infielders shake out. Um, you know, Adam Ferro again, his, his son Drew is going to come from UCF to Tallahassee. I think Florida State needs to get better at those middle infield spots for sure. Um, you know, Lodice from North Florida is a good option there too. They've got some left-handed bats. It, it feels really good. I mean, it, it feels like a lot of Florida kids decided to stay in state. Alabama guys coming back home, for example, that's a big deal. Um, you know, seeing some guys from UCF and, and North Florida come to Florida State. I think these are all good signs, encouraging signs as Florida State builds. You know, everybody's going to want to ask, well, does it mean Florida State's going to get to a regional? Does it mean Florida State's going to be how many games better? It, it's really tough to tell until you kind of see these pieces together. But I, I do think Link Jarrett's got a lot of work to do still ahead. Let's move to basketball real quick, Bob. Uh... Good news, bad news here. The, I'll start with the bad, and that's the Chandler Jackson's been suspended, which you don't hear about that, certainly in the middle of the summer from Leonard Hamilton's program very frequently. And then the good is that Baba Miller helped lead Spain to a, I guess it was a U19 national title there, a world, not national, but world championship title. And I feel like Baba, because he, he was not uh, hugely successful on the court, given the way last year unfolded, He's kind of dismissed, but he, to me, is really a guy that, I mean, he may be the difference in this season. He could be a 12 and 8 kind of guy and go a long way. But just general thoughts on those two, both ends of the spectrum right there. You know, briefly on the Chandler thing, you know, not sure what he did or, or how long this is, an indefinite suspension. It's kind of unusual, I think, for Leonard Hamilton to announce it because it 
could have almost just been quietly done and and you might see him come off that suspension in say a month or two months so we'll just have to see what develops there bob what do we need to know about football we are if you can believe this two weeks away from acc kickoff so it, it it's very very close um I, I i think you know in the positives with you know talking to jordan travis trey benson uh, how were these guys going to handle the expectations through the off season i think it's just been very positive how much they've worked how much this group is committed from a leadership standpoint to you know, to working hard toward the toward the end goals. And I think as Norvell has mentioned a lot, there there are not expectations among the fan base that are higher than what the program, what the players and the coaches and the staff have set internally. Um, so they're they're shooting very high, but but still understanding it, it, it's it's a journey and you have to embrace these off-season moments and, and just get better and better. Florida State picked up four commitments over Fourth of July weekend, Bob, and that uh, moved the ranking up a little bit. And are we still expecting uh, a couple more to come in here over the last two weeks of July? You know, it's going to be a potentially busy Saturday. Um, yeah, Makai Danzi from Florida High um, appears to be leaning toward Florida State. That that's one that you know I know our recruiting guys feel good about. Ashton Hampton, another local product from Florida High, he's got a commitment coming up we'll see down the road Charles Lester is one of the biggest four-star cornerbacks out there later in the month um, Jonathan Daniels the offensive tackle still has a decision to make too and I, I believe it was Ty Hilton the um, the offensive tackle from Oviedo mentioning that Friday is now his commitment date too so a big couple of days I, I know a lot of people are excited about this uh, commitment class but also saying what about the offensive line what about the defensive line so that could really start to take shape here um, by by Saturday night. I'm looking at the Hall of Fame list. Florida State announced the Hall of Famers. We we touched on the the baseball guys with Chip because uh, they're two of his favorite guys, and Pedro Grifol and Eduardo Perez. But looking at these lists, Bob and KJ, it just makes me feel old because I was at Sue Semrau's press conference when she was hired in 1996 or maybe it was 95, but mid-90s, and uh, now she's going in. And Rodney Hudson, it feels like it wasn't that long ago he was here, and he's played a decade-plus in the NFL. And I can remember covering Ricardo Chambers out on the track and calling games and matches that Tiffany McCarty played in. List for you? It's a fun list. Honestly, I, I, had, I don't tend to think about who is not in yet until these lists come out and they say, oh yeah, that's right. They're, they're really very, very much great additions to the, to the club, to this athletics hall of fame club. Um, I, I didn't know, for example, that, that Pedro Grifol wasn't in or that Eduardo Perez was not in. I think they're very, um, you know, very good additions. Of course, you felt like Sue Semrau was, was one who was going to get the induction. I think that had been discussed you know, right about the time of her retirement that they were looking for for the next opportunity to get her in. So it's, it's yet again, it's a, it's a tough job. I know it's a tough job to be on that committee to kind of narrow down the names. I think, you know, Jerry Cutts, our publisher, and Doug Manheimer, there's a number of people 
who form a committee that look at these names and really debate um, you know, the resumes. It's, it's not easy, but um, it's a great list and looking forward to seeing those, uh, those folks inducted. September 8th is the uh, Athletics Hall of Fame banquet. And I should mention, I left out a couple names here. Kelly Rowland, former soccer player going in. And, uh, well, oh, Leslie Mallorich from the softball team, too. Uh, of course, there's been a plethora of pretty good pitchers that have, that have worn the garnet and gold over the years for FSU. And um, Dr. Francis Cannon will get the, the, the more stone award. Bob, anything else on the athletics front we should be aware of? I mean, this is the last little lull. This is it for vacation. And then you're in Charlotte for the ACC kickoff. Yeah, you, you might be not seeing my my ugly mug next week on the show. I, I might be um, points elsewhere. But uh, but in two weeks, it'll be ACC kickoff. And then, uh, then there's really not much of a break through the bowl game. Yeah, do we have an official start date yet for camp? Or are we still waiting on that? Yeah, yeah, still waiting on it. But I, I think, you know, we had sort of pegged August 3rd as a potential. It, it feels like it's about that, again, because it's a month out from LSU, but nothing official yet. Gotcha. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll give you a break next week if you're in parts unknown. We'll leave it that way. Uh, enjoy the respite, uh, the calm before the storm that is the 2023 season. Appreciate it, Bob. Take care, guys. Our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, and we'll have more Front Row Knowles after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. A few minutes to go on Front Row Knowles as we wrap things up. Keith, uh, two weeks from ACC kickoff. We won't share any stories, but you and I have uh, participated in many shenanigans at ACC kickoffs over the years. No, we were at shenanigans. That was the name of the place. Oh, that's correct. That's correct. We'll just we'll just leave it there. But it is sort of the the marker. It's the marker in the field or the in the sand that the football season is here. So that, that part is exciting. You know, fans don't go to ACC kickoff, but this is, you know, as soon as you turn on your TV or look at your social media, it's nothing but sound bites and quotes from these conference media days. So it does get a lot more tangible once this uh, comes to fruition. And in recent years, there's been some pretty significant things come out of the ACC kickoff. Uh, and so, you know, you're just, you just, if you're a writer, if you're a reporter, you want to be there so you don't miss anything. Yeah, that's true. And so that's, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to, uh, get David Hale on from uh, ESPN. It's been a few months since he's joined us and he's sort of our, uh, ACC expert as we go into this season. Keith, have you, uh, is, is it getting a little more tangible for you or are you still putting it on the back burner? I still have it on the back burner from the standpoint that, uh, you know, I'm not preparing and trying to get in shape <laughs> for two a days. Uh, but what I find interesting, Tom, is, you know, the conversations I'm having with people have now come to, well, our expectations are so high, you know, what is reality? And when I say talking with people, I don't mean insiders, I just mean Florida State fans. Because we all, myself, you, everyone, we jumped on that bandwagon. And, and now I think we're doing the look in the mirror and, and you know, what is really realistic. Because now we've got to start paying attention to it. 
And uh, there's been a little bit, Tommy, a little bit of a drop off, but the expectations are still pretty hefty, I would say. How about your world? Yeah, they are. And we've talked about it previously. To me, years like last year when there's no expectations, everything is house money, so to speak. Those are always a lot more enjoyable because you take the win, you celebrate it now with the expectations. If you go to Wake Forest and you win by 10 points, it's not enough. Why didn't you win by 24? You should be that much. Their quarterback left. You, should, you know, So everything gets nitpicked to death. And uh, it's just not as fun. Now that said, this this town will if Florida State beats LSU and Clemson somehow, and and so the expectations are are accurate early on. Th- th- it'll be, I mean it will be unlike anything since 2013 probably I guess after the win at Clemson when FSU put 50 something on on Dabo and set the record for most points scored by an opponent. That's you know that's how far back. It, so you'd be going back a decade the last time that the town was on fire like that. Now that's if Florida State could do that. And, and the conversations that, that I would characterize are along the lines of, boy, I sure wish we could beat LSU. I sure wish we could beat Clemson. But if you beat LSU and then you beat Clemson, the expectation will then go off the charts because nothing less than the playoff and nothing less than a cha- national championship uh, becomes. And so dealing with that, should you get that far, it just amps up all over again. Uh, it's one of the, the very interesting and great things about college football and why we love it. Do you think that this team, the team, and, and every team does this, I think Norvell and staff are pretty good about this in terms of nobody has higher expectations than, than what we have as a program. But do you think they can, as experienced as they will be this year, I mean, there's a lot of older guys, even if they haven't been in the program here five years, they've been out of high school a few years, maybe new to FSU. Can they eliminate the clutter to use a Jimbo term from years gone past do you think that this team will be mature enough to do that well you and I were talking during the break um you know the 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 off season is the time when you hear about kids you know uh, doing things uh being at the wrong place at the wrong time um you know being involved in something that that comes out you haven't heard that type of clutter and that type of uh stuff going on uh, the stuff you've heard about is, you know, handwritten thank you notes and and time spent in schools and, um, you know, recommitment uh, to the weight room. Um, so the, the, the vibe of this team is, is pointed in the right direction. So I would have to say yes. I think I think this team is more mature than maybe we give them credit for. And, and that maturity, you know, is going to be vitally necessary if they want to make a run for it. No question. No question. And uh, the other thing, and we talked about this, and last year was one of the first times we've seen it in a while, is be better than the sum of your parts. And FSU was that last year. Uh, now you got even better parts, but again, a lot of them are new, and so you don't have the cohesion that you would have had in the old, you know, in the older days when you had guys here four and five years, and they literally knew everything about one another. But, but can they continue to be greater than the sum of their parts? The aspect of that that's going to be interesting to me is when you've got kids in the same position competing with each other, and there's only so many balls and so many minutes. And so you get into to game four and game six and game eight, and you know, are you going to be team-focused or are you going to be individual-focused? And the coaching staff plays a big part in, in helping and set the tone for that 
and I got to tell you, we've talked about this both on the air and off the air. Um, this coaching staff is very mature and works very well together and seems to have that little extra sense about how to get ahead of a problem before it becomes a problem in terms of uh, rivalry or competition. Um, I'm impressed with them. Uh, it's an intangible. I don't know how you rate it. don't know how you would grade it, but uh, it appears that they have a unique sense in, in keeping that float, uh, that boat floating and headed in the right direction, everybody rowing together. Let us hope so. We're out of time. He's Keith. I'm Tom. And thanks as always for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.